You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, after a week off, uh, TJ was on vacation last week, uh, and I do want to ask you a question before we get going, because this is the last edition of Necessary Roughness before the draft that will happen on Thursday night. We'll get a chance to talk about what happens in the NFL leading up to the draft, Thursday night's draft as well, our expectations for the Detroit Lions, and anything else that might happen in the first round on night one of the NFL draft. But, TJ, you posted on Twitter the other night a picture of a gigantic, beautiful piece of steak. And your question was, how should I grill this? Now, Mm -hmm. I know you already had a game plan in place. You don't seem to me to be a guy that would make that type of uh, investment in your And not know how to cook it. And not know how to cook it. <laughs> it was so, more how would you make this? Because right. I don't consider myself by any means a uh, you know fabulous chef. I have but some great ways. you are an expert in how you want it. Yes, how I like it. But I also like to ask questions because I know there's a lot of people out there in the social media world who probably make an even better steak than I can. So any tips and hints that I can get? You know, whether it's smoking, drilling, charring, searing, yeah. I like to get some feedback. But yes, I uh, I like to I like to think that I know what I'm doing when it comes to meat. Yes. So, um, before we get to how you cook your meat, what was there a tip that you're like, oh, you know what, that sounds interesting. I might try that. Um, not not this past one. Yeah. But I have gotten tips before, and I say I used to be just a grill guy you know no matter how thick the meat was yeah. or how thin the meat was we don't pre- we're not prejudiced at the lane like household yeah. um <laughs> do, you, do you prefer it thicker or thinner i think thicker is easier to handle um you know just with the big hands and, and you get a better better uh, temperature and the medium it's the thin ones are just easy to overcook yes uh, <laughs> so that one that i had uh, this past round was a uh, boy it was a, it was a it was a hog molly it was a big one it was uh-huh. a, and you can't really tell from the picture i mean but it was uh, it was a good you know two and a half three inch steak and okay. uh, i i tell you what though the one <laughs> to get back on track the one uh the best tip i got a couple years ago was you know just kind of the 
uh, reverse sear method, no matter how you want to do it, whether it's starting in the oven, you know, taking it out once it's temp and then searing it off at the end. Or I like to use also just the regular sear method. When you have, a, you know, a big filet or something, just put a sear on it at first and then maybe yep. top it off in the oven. But no, I think uh, the best tip I got was actually instead of the oven, was using the smoker oh, yeah. because oh, yeah. when it's only on there for, you know, you only need about 45 minutes depending on what temperature you're cooking at, but it doesn't really get the super heavy, thick smoke flavor that you like in a lot of the barbecue meat. Yeah. Um, but it just adds that little bit of that little bit of taste uh, that you can't find in the oven. So that's kind of been my go-to is when you get the big ones, put it on the smoker, let it reach. I'm a medium, medium rareish type guy. I like to go 117, 120, take it out, sit yeah. it. And then, I've you know, the cast iron. I'll tell you what, cast iron skillets might be one of the best investments you can make. If you're a chef. It's a lifetime like, investment. It, it, it is. It, it, and they last forever. And the way that they season you know over time and you mm-hmm. get that kind of flavor like i have the one pan i gotta use because it's yeah. got all my previous you know meat juice yeah. on there and, <laughs> and, and that's just, it, the flavor just comes out a, a whole lot better so that's that's my go-to method yeah that's my go-to method now when i do a steak i do it the same way uh and i started doing it probably about a year ago i used to get my steaks cut you know, about three quarters of an inch. I prefer the thicker steak, but I, the, the problem I had was it would get too well done on the edges and then it would be, you know, raw in the middle, which right. I'm fine with, but everybody in my family is not fine with yeah. that. So I did find that, you know, when you put it in the smoker, it doesn't overcook the outside part of the meat, yet you do get good penetration in your meat with a good, you know, temperature of smoke in, yeah. in the right amount of time. And then I like to, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the cast iron for my steak. That's what I like to cook my fish on. Um, there's been a lot of walleye cooked in my cast iron, but I like to finish it off on the grill. And it's probably opposite of you. You like that little bit of, of crust on your steak. Yeah, not a char, not a, no. like a burnt char, but, you know, just enough crust where, yeah. Kind of pops a little bit. The worst thing for me, I think, is you know not the worst thing in the world, but when it comes to steaks, well, is just close. like the kind of rubbery, grayish, you know, yeah. soft outside. I like the good texture on the outside, good little crunch with the seasoning, and then a nice warm pink inside. <laughs> it's just that's it, it, just the way it's got to be. Boy, there's a lot of puns, man. We're talking yeah, about steak. I know. And I, this I like, know. It's just, it's, seems it's like a totally to different show we're talking about right now. <laughs> 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 All right. So um, there's no easy way to transition to the draft, to the meat of the draft, the steak, whatever it is. But the Lions have the number two overall pick. But before them is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And for a long time, it was Jaguars are going offensive line, whether it was Neil from Alabama or Iquanu from NC State. Uh, you know, it was all about the offensive line. Then it transitioned to uh, edge rusher. And it, was, it then went to uh, Aiden Hutchinson. It was there for a long time. But over the past really 48 hours, there's been a major shift in Vegas, and there's been a major shift in a lot of the mock drafts, But and I'm not just talking about people that are just throwing something on the internet, from those that talk to a number of people. 
And Peter King, one of them, only comes out with one mock draft. He came out with his on Monday. Uh, the odds makers have a consensus number one favorite, and that is Trayvon Walker, defensive end from Georgia, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you think for a guy that started in all of the mock drafts, in all of the conversations that you were having with a lot of people around the NFL, he was more in the 15 to 30 range than he was 15 to one. Now, all of a sudden he's rocketed up draft boards and he is in Vegas, the consensus number one overall, your thoughts on what Jacksonville does and do they go with Trayvon Walker? Well, I think the smoke has to be real, you know, enough of it. Vegas isn't going to just throw out a, a crazy number if they don't have some sort of <laughs> right. information regarding, uh, you know, that pick. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think there's a lot of uh, hype and talk about, about Trayvon Walker at number one. Um, you know, but I, I think it also goes back to what we've hit on so many times on this show in the past, you know, six weeks leading up to this draft is that there's just it, it's it's such a weird draft. Like you yeah. can't it's hard to put your finger on where normally in a draft class you have maybe, you know, four to five greats. Then you have yeah. maybe 30 to 50 good. And then everybody else is kind of, OK, let's, t- you know, let's get this kid in, develop maybe year on. two. He's going to be a productive player this year. There just seems like. There's there's going to end up being a couple great players, but nobody knows who those guys are. Right. Nobody knows who those are. You know, you don't know if it's Kyle Hamilton. You don't know if it's Hutch. You don't know if it's Walker. You don't know if it's Thibodeau. It, so right now it kind of seems like there's just, you know, instead of the four to five greats and, you know, a bunch of good, it just seems like there's a bunch of good. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the thing shakes out because you know there's going to end up being, you know, at least probably two or three perennial Pro Bowl type players, but yep. that's just the hard part right now is projecting who that's going to be. So I haven't been surprised to see how much movement there has been in these mock drafts and leading up to, uh, you know, what's going to happen here in, in two days as we sit here now on Tuesday, uh, because there are so many guys that are just kind of clumped in at the top that who do you take? Do you take this guy? Well, this guy's good to all this guy's good. We don't know. Right. So, uh, but the one thing is when you're picking at number one, like Jacksonville is, you obviously have to take the best player available. And, you know, you're obviously, it's not a quarterback. You just took Trevor Lawrence. But in their mind, is Trayvon Walker a better prospect than Aiden Hutchinson? Those are questions that they have to answer. Now, there's also reports coming out where, you know, the head coach wants uh, Aquanu and the GM wants Trayvon Walker yeah. and, and, and the owner wants Aiden Hutchinson. So it'll be interesting to see what happens because normally the owner's going to get his way, especially when it comes to the first overall pick. But Should um, the owner get his way? You know, I mean... Should the, the owner, owner have any say at all? A say, I would say a percentage of the say, but not a majority percentage of that say, because look, owners just, it's fact, they just don't do as much scouting. They don't do as much work as they the don't GM have the and background. the scouts do. They don't have, they're not qualified to be able to say, to sit there and say, okay, Hutchinson is better than Trayvon Walker because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. They don't have the knowledge to say that like the GMs and the scouts do, but ultimately they're the ones that sign the paycheck. So if Shad Khan goes in, there and says, I don't care. You're getting, you're getting me Aiden Hutchinson. They're going to take Aiden Hutchinson. No, no GM is going to go against his owner's wish, especially for the first overall pick. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but it has been interesting to see how much movement there has been, right? Because there's really four or five guys 
at number one, whether it's, you know, Hutchinson, Walker, Aquanu, Neal, whose names have been thrown around there. Um, they're going to take a good player, and the and the good part, good good part, good part for Detroit is you know you're going to have your choice at one of those top guys as well. So we're going to see what happens, but I would not be surprised if the smoke is is real, um, and Jacksonville does end up taking Trayvon Walker. Well, I've got a question for you about who you trust more, and we're going to get to that in just a second when it comes to that number one overall pick. Now I mentioned. Because I, I want to keep talking about this number one overall pick because it directly affects what the Lions do at number two. Who do you trust more? Now, you and I both know that those that throw out mock drafts, there's only a few that actually talk to those in the know. I would believe Peter King has talked to a number of individuals that are actually making the pick. Uh, Adam Schefter, uh, McShay, Kuyper, they... They've been doing this long enough. They've got their sources, and they also have enough respect that they get some information, at least some direction in regards to where these teams are going. However, Vegas did not create an empire by not making money, and they set the odds for Trayvon Walker to be the number one overall pick, the odds-on favorite. Hutchinson comes in at number two. Um, and then it goes down from there. Do you trust some of the media that is in the know with the number one overall pick as to who, what direction Jacksonville might go, or Vegas? Who do you trust more? I trust Vegas because, like you said, Vegas, <laughs> Vegas hasn't, Vegas isn't Vegas. It's so because weird. What type been, of world do we live in? <laughs> but Vegas isn't Vegas because they've been wrong. Right? right, they're generally right. I mean, how many times you watch a game or watch something and it's like, gosh, the spread looks weird. You know, five and a half, boom, and then the game's end, ends at either five or six points, and right, you're like, yeah. wow, how that is know? absolutely insane. Um, but no, I don't, and the only reason I said, well, the the biggest reason I say that is because. Look, NFL teams are smart, okay? A lot like you mentioned, a lot of these teams whether it's, you know, anonymous scouts or um, maybe talking to the GM, whatever it might be, they also understand there's two ways you can kind of play this media game, right? You can either give guys real information and say, "Okay, yeah, this is, you know, we're really looking at this guy, we like him a lot." Or you give them the phony information, right? Because this is kind of that uh, time of year where there's a lot of smoke screens, you know, just with the the, the gamesmanship and the in the in the way the draft pans out, right? If you're sitting there the number two or number three and you want to put out a message uh, about, hey, we really love this guy, we want to take, hey, we're the Lions, and you know, we're really thinking about taking Malik Willis, and you know, you're hoping either you know maybe Seattle or or Atlanta sitting there at eight nine say. Like we we want them really bad, so yeah. maybe let's move up. You you don't know you don't know what kind of uh, what kind of games are going on when you necessarily read a lot of these reports. So that's the reason why for me, I would trust Vegas and the odds that they put out more because they're not going to change odds without having some sort of very solid concrete facts. It just doesn't happen. Um, so. Uh, you got to read, you got to, the hardest part, the maybe the funnest part too, about this time of year is trying to figure out, you know, who is 
who are the BSers, you know, who's putting yeah. up those smoke screens, who's throwing out the false information to try to entice somebody else to uh, maybe make a move that, that, that plays right into your hand. So, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's gotta be Vegas just because they, they don't make a living on being wrong. Right. You know, they've, they've got information and um, their numbers reflect that. And that for me is, is more real than really any other report you can see because you don't really know if you can trust it or not. All right, so I want to give you two scenarios. Uh, first one is uh, we're going to go with Vegas, and they say the Jacksonville Jaguars get up to the podium. The pip, pip, slip of paper that they give Roger Goodell is Trayvon Walker. Lions are on the clock. Who do the Lions take? The only one off the board is Walker. Well, I think it would have to be Hutchinson. Um and that's not because I'm sitting here saying, well, he's, you know, just the obvious number one choice, right? right? But he is the uh, he is the player that I think would excite, you know, this fan base the most. I, yeah. I think he's the player that can come in and make um, maybe the biggest impact from day one um, sitting there. Um, I don't know if... We talked about it last show about you know Thibodeau and, and his upside and what he could bring to the to the defense too. Um, but for me, it just it would make it would make too much darn sense. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense to pass on Aiden Hutchinson. It just okay. wouldn't. So he would be. I think he would have to be uh, as soon as Trayvon Walker's name was called. The run, the run I, up. There. I think okay, Lions pick is in. We, we know, just like last year when Panesewell was sitting there at yeah. uh, seven or whatever they picked at. Uh, that pick was in five seconds later. I yep. think I don't think it would be any different with with Hutchinson. Okay, uh, scenario number two with the first overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Aiden Hutchinson. Now, who do the Lions take? Trayvon Walker. I, so I just, it's, just it, it's one two no matter what. In my mind, it is not only um, because those two guys seem to maybe be poised to make the biggest impact from day one. Um, but because it's also your biggest need, you yep. know, as far as not only your team, but especially your defense. I mean, we hit on it all the time about just the, you know, how much they just lacked so much pass rush last year, right? And you yep. can't, it's hard to win games if you can't get to the quarterback, disrupt the quarterback, and somehow make an impact in the passing game. That's just the biggest need that they have. So um, I think it's, I think it's one or two. I really do. I think it's Hutch and Walker, no matter how it falls. Um, I, and I, I'm not going to say I necessarily prefer one or the other, um, but I think you can't. It just it just seems like you can't go wrong with either of those two. And I know that's a scary thing to say because a lot of teams have been wrong in the past. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> the top two, top three, whatever you want to say. But when you just look at this draft, look, and I can make an argument and say I don't think there's a guy worthy in this draft of being maybe a top three pick or maybe oh, a top no. five pick. All these guys kind of seem to be maybe that 10 to 15 range. But look, you can't just say we're not going to pick. <laughs> you right, you got to yeah. take somebody, you yeah, know. Minnesota so, tried that yeah. what, uh, about a dozen years <laughs> right. ago. You got to take, take somebody. So for the people saying – you know, well, I want him to do something splashy and not do the safe thing and not take Hutchinson just because he's the safe pick. Well, who the hell else would you take? Like, who who's that impact player that you're going to take yeah. right now that you can tell me, that you can guarantee me 100% is going to be a major, major impact player other than, you know, Hutchinson and Walker? Who's better than those guys? And I don't know the answer. A lot of people seem to think Thibodeau could be that guy. But he could not, and, and all these guys could end up not being very good players. But it just seems like with everything that's 
played out the last couple months and, and you know last three or four weeks, it it would seem silly to pass on Hutchinson or Walker for somebody else that maybe you want to take a chance on because yeah. you know you're getting with those two guys. I think that teams know they're getting day one starter impact player. So this is more of a draft philosophy question is if you're drafting in the top five, are you a guy that says we're going to take the best available player other than a quarterback? Because there's only one ball. There's only one quarterback on the field at a time. I'm going to remove that position from this conversation. Are you going to take the best available on the board? You've got a draft board. They're rated one through 10. You're picking two or you're picking one through five. Where is it that you say we're going to take the best available player at this spot, no matter the position, or how, how do you work in team need into that? Do you instantly start with, hey, if we're picking number one overall, I want the best player, but I also want one that's going to fit fill a need. Yeah, I think it's got to be an even balance. I do. Okay. I, I just don't look because you some can people make, say it's the best available on the board, right? And I know you can make a case for the Lions this year that maybe you know Evan Neal or Ikea Kwanu are the best available on the board, right? Sitting yep. there at two. But do you need an offensive tackle? No, I mean not right now. Right? You can I can make an argument too that you don't need a guard. Right. You know, I mean Vitae and Jackson was a Jonah Jackson was Pro Bowler last year. Vitae. Played healthy last year and actually played really pretty damn good. You know, he took a big step. So I think you're banking on the, that guy taking another step too. So that's where you can't just say best available because maybe you have two or three offensive tackles rated higher than anybody else. You're not going to take one of those. You already have a couple pretty good tackles. Yeah. So you have to fill in uh, your biggest need. Now, look, if your biggest need is, let's say, uh, you know, safety, and there's no safeties really graded out in the top five, well, then maybe you try to move a little bit, wheel and deal a little bit, or maybe you take best available in that situation because there's just nobody worth uh, taking your biggest need. There's nobody worth taking what you're picking. So, um, But I think it has to be an even balance, especially when you're a team – uh, you know, like the Lions, like the Jaguars, like the Giants. I mean, you don't really have the benefit of just going and taking the best available player and already adding to you know an insane arsenal of weapons on your team. I mean, you got to pick, you got to you got to take somebody that's going to be a building block for your franchise years to come. And that, for me, look, I mean, obviously quarterbacks have the biggest impact in today's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensive ends have maybe the argue, arguably the second highest impact because it's their job to stop these quarterbacks backs and then you look at offensive linemen you got to protect your investment as well right. but I just think right now you, your biggest needs obviously pass rusher the top of this draft seems to be loaded with pass rushers you're going to have a choice of probably at least two or three of those guys that you can take um, but the one thing you got to do is you got to get it right you got to get it right no, and number two so there's probably still going to be meetings going on all the way up until Thursday afternoon to try to just figure out you know Hutchinson Walker Thibodeau, you're going to have your choice at at least two of those guys. Yeah, you got to make the right one. You're picking at number two. Brad Holmes said it himself. You need you need an impact player. You need a guy that's yep. going to come in day one, um, and, and just be a, a phenomenal impact player for your team. So I I think they're going to get it right. I hope they're going to get it right. Obviously, time is going to tell. 
but they're going to have their choice at a couple really, really nice prospects. Well, uh, at the top of the draft, um, there are three offensive linemen that most people believe are going to be the three that are off the board first. You've got Evan Neal from Alabama, Ike Iquanu from NC State, Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Most most people believe, and I do as well, that those three are the best of the bunch. And since we're a couple of offensive linemen, I'd like to get your take. I'll give you mine first. I know I always make you go first, and and, and I, I somewhat <laughs> apologize. I actually don't. Um, but I think, and this is just what I prefer for an offensive lineman, that I like Ike Aquanu and his skill set coming into the NFL as an absolute road grader who is a, a good athlete as well. And I could coach him up a little bit more on his pass protection. I think that's where I say lacks. Um, sometimes he gives a short corner and that's more of a technique issue for me. It starts with his first step. After that, it becomes, you know, it just kind of goes downhill from there. I think once you fix that first step, now all of a sudden it puts him in position to be successful. Charles Cross, I think, is more of the... He comes in as more of a polished pass blocker and less in the run game. And then Evan Neal, I think, is your best overall well-rounded offensive lineman who, you know, as we talk about guys with upside, maybe doesn't have as much upside as Ikewe Okanu, but is just a really solid pick and is going to be a guy that's there for 10, 12 years. How would you rank the top three offensive linemen? I, I think Evan Neal would be number one for me. Um, the guy's, and, he, and he's massive, you know, yep. six seven, three forty. but, so, you know, he, he's good. a really good athlete. I mean, he moves his feet really well, strong hands. I mean, you watch, you go back and you watch, uh, you know, the, the, the college uh, championship game, you know, against Georgia and, and the way he uh, he played against Trayvon Walker. I mean, he had some absolute dominating reps, you know, where Walker just could not do anything. Um, I like Neil a lot. I like Aquanu. I mean, I, I think he's a good, really good athlete, one of the best athletes in the draft this year. And he's got uh, probably more versatility just with his size being 6'4", 310-ish, 315. I mean, he played a little bit of guard. He played a little bit of right tackle last year, playing left tackle at NC State. Um, depending on which team takes him, you know, he can end up, if it's the, you know, the Giants at five, I mean, they've got Andrew Gardner, they, they invested, a, or Andrew Thomas, they invested a first-round pick in to play left tackle a couple yeah. years ago. Uh, you're going to put a Quanu at right tackle. He's a guy that's versatile enough that you can plug over there and play day one. Um, but for me, it's it's Evan Neal. I, I just think, uh, and he's got versatility as well, too. I yep. mean, he played left guard a bunch of games. He played right tackle, I think, maybe his freshman year. Um, he's, he's probably going to be a long-term left tackle in the NFL. And he's just got really all the intangibles that you like to see the mental toughness the physical toughness the athleticism the uh you know the the fundamentals the technique you know his foot footwork the hand placement all those things that college players tend to struggle with when they make that jump to the NFL because when you're in college look Evan Neal's probably never played against somebody that's just absolutely dominated him he, he's probably been that type of player that you could beat somebody's ass even with bad technique that's just how good he is right yeah. but he's got the good technique already go with it which lets me know 
he's gonna he's gonna his game's gonna translate to the yeah. NFL. It just is. So he would be my number one guy uh, when it comes from the offensive line position. But look, I think it, all those guys. I mean, I haven't watched Charles Cross a whole bunch to be honest yeah. with you. Um, Ikki Aquanu. I mean. Like you said, kind of that road grader mentality, kind yeah. of tough dude that's going to fit in day one. I mean, I wouldn't I'll give hate you- him. At, I wouldn't hate it at number two. It's not a need. I, I agree with you. But if you're looking to put together not just the top ten or top five offensive line, but a top three offensive line as you continue to build this team, you're going to have you would end up having four first round picks up front. Three of them have, for the most part, been proven commodities. Yeah. And then you've got Jonah Jackson, who I thought was a great steal um, at, coming off a of Pro Bowl season. I'm not a huge fan of Vitae. I know that he played better, but I think you could upgrade at that position. And if you put Iquanu next to Sewell, now you're talking about a top three, possibly best offensive line in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I wouldn't, right. be, I wouldn't be pissed about it. I mean, I wouldn't be thrilled, but I, I wouldn't be pissed about it. Yeah. Um, I just don't you – know, I just think that the offensive line is is it's the where they the need team. to be, and it's the strength of your team. And if you can find a way to add an, another impact player on the other side of the ball, that's going to obviously help you out a little bit more. But I'll give you a dark horse, though. I mean, this there's this uh, guard at Boston College, Zion Johnson. Oh, who, yeah. Uh, I mean, the guy, you know, watching his tape, watching the senior bowl, the combine, he, it, it's hard. I, I hate comparing guys to, you know, Pro Bowl, Hall of Fame type dudes in the NFL, so I'm not going to do that. But I think he's going to be, he's going to have a chance probably in the maybe late teens, 20s, going to be an interior type guy who I'm telling him, and we'll, we'll have to revisit in a couple of years, but I think he's going to be, he, he might be the best offensive lineman in this draft. Okay. He's not a tackle, so he's not going to go in the top five, top 10, but right. he's going to be a damn good either center guard type guy. And um, he's a stud. He's, he's one of my favorite prospects in the whole draft. I know. Look, if he's sitting there at 32, I mean, I That's what I was going to ask you because I, I want to be know what you want to do at 32. We'll, we'll, we're not going to talk about 34 right now, but at 32, if they go Hutchinson at two and Zion Johnson is available at 32, are you okay at that point of there's going to be a bunch of receivers that are on the board. There's going to be linebackers. Nicobe Dean might be there. Um, you know, Lewis Seen might be there. Daxton Hill might be there. You've got a lot of need on the defense. At 32, if Zion Johnson is there, is that the time that they could take an offensive lineman and and solidify this as a top five O line, possibly top three? Yeah. No, I would love it. I would yeah. love it. I think uh, because in my mind, he's probably a top 10 player in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, he just doesn't get the love because he's kind of that interior guard slash center type guy. Obviously, if the line stuck him, he wouldn't be playing center. But he is just he's, – he's that good in my opinion. I would absolutely – I'm sure there would be a lot of people like, why the hell are we taking an offensive lineman? Like, we're already pretty damn good. He's that type of player, though, that can take you from, you know, good to great or great to elite. And so, no, that would not upset me. But I did have one question for you, though. I know, oh, okay. um, you know, there's been kind of the last, I don't know, <laughs> probably two months. There's always, kind of, you always see some mock drafts. You always, uh, you know, follow the Lions. And it always seems to be like, you know, 32, 34-ish that there's always kind of a quarterback mixed in there, right? Whether it's, you know, yeah. Pickett, Willis. I don't know if those guys are going to be there. Corral, uh, you know, Sam Howell. If you're sitting there at 32 and you have 34, 
And let's just say you you're, you're the Lions and you decided to take a quarterback. Would you would you take him at thirty two or would you wait till you took to thirty four to take one? I'd take him at thirty two because if that guy that you want, you get that extra year. Uh, and I'm not so you know set on well. You need that extra year at the quarterback position to be under contract, the fifth year option for a first year guys. But if and, and the only way I do it is if Kenny Pickett falls all the way to 32. He's the only quarterback in this draft that I think is is a first round quarterback. And at 32, that's kind of where I think his value is. You mentioned there's not a top five guy in this draft. If if this draft was put in last year, year before, most of these guys would be early teens um, in, in, in terms of where they would go in the draft. For the quarterback position, I'm not a Malik Willis fan. Kenny Pickett, if he's there at 32, I would definitely take him because if you don't, then whoever holds that, who is it that has the 33rd pick? Uh, is that Jacksonville, Jacksonville again? Jacksonville yeah. again, yeah. Uh, that becomes the what you've got to be worried about is, okay, over the course of the night, who is it that is picking anywhere after you that's going to trade up and take the guy that you want at 34? That's what you have to gauge is, is am I, am I okay to pass on this guy knowing that he's probably going to be taken at 33, whether it's by Jacksonville or somebody else that would trade up to get him. Yeah. And I'm with you too. I mean, I, I still, I'm still heavily on the side of, uh, I don't, think you need to take a quarterback not in this draft yeah um but look if if you do i mean and you're sitting there at 32 and you have you know kenny pickett slides right or maybe you even want to take a chance on malik willis if he's still there or maybe you have a really high grade on you know sam howell um it's better to take him at 32 because like you mentioned Worst case scenario, okay, maybe the guy turns out to be a backup, right? We have him for four years, okay, whatever. We missed, okay, it happens, right? You're picking 32. But if it pans out, now you get that guy for an extra year, like you mentioned. You get that fifth-year option. You get an extra bonus year to see the development and see if whatever guy you end up taking, if it's a quarterback, you get to, you get that extra year of under contract of salary cap relief yeah. of knowing that um that you that you just wouldn't get a 34 right. so that would be you know I, I i wouldn't be thrilled if they took one at 32 i don't think anybody really would because no. like we said you just don't really feel like there's any quarterbacks that are worth it no. and you just have too many other spots on this roster to fill but at least i would be able to understand it that hey if this thing pans out we just got a steal at 32 with a pretty damn good quarterback. And guess what? We got him for five years instead of four. So I hope it doesn't happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's, you never know. You never know. <laughs> you never draft know. Is a weird the, draft, the crazy things happen in the draft, guys slide all the time. There's going to be some top 10 pick that everybody's sitting there shaking their head saying, what the hell? Like nobody had this guy yeah. going this high. Nobody had, you know, this guy slipping this low. So uh, I tell you what, though, I'm getting excited. It seems like we've been talking about this for the last seven shows. And finally, next week, we will know the picks. Yes. We will get to break down the picks. We will have some fun trying to figure out how those picks kind of uh, fall in line with what the team's trying to do, and and maybe start picking some uh, some sleepers. You yeah. know, maybe some fourth, fifth, sixth round guys that we think can make a really make an impact on this team. So I'm excited. We're only a couple of days away from the draft. I will be down at Ford Field working oh. Thursday night. There's a uh, draft party for I think I think it's open to all season ticket holders. So they're expecting a pretty good crowd, but um, should be a good atmosphere and. 
look, I think there's a lot of uh, optimism still around this team. And uh, whatever player we get at two, I hope he comes in a day one starter, and I hope it's a stud. Yeah, uh, I do too. And uh, as you mentioned, next week we'll get a chance to break down all of the Lions draft picks. You can see TJ Thursday night down at Ford Field. Uh, next week we'll analyze all the picks that the Detroit Lions make this coming weekend in the NFL draft, as well as we're going to get another opportunity uh, to measure Brad Holmes and what we think of him as a GM. Now two years of free agency. This will be his second draft. We'll get a chance to break that down in the coming episodes here on Necessary Roughness.